been in a series that we're calling Back to the Basics, and I really love this idea because, you know, just making sure that we're all founded, we've got a good solid foundation underneath us for our faith, and so we've been talking about subjects to kind of help us do that, sure up foundations, maybe even some recalibration, that's some wor- a word that the Lord's been using among us uh, here in the last several months, just recalibrating, making sure that that we're online and on par with what he has for us. So this morning I'm going to kind of wrap up this series specifically talking about a subject that I'm excited about because I believe this subject is one of the most least understood subjects in the body of Christ. And so I'm going to talk about something that's very important for you this morning. But in order to introduce this, I'm going to do it this way. If you would... Um, use your imagination for a minute and imagine that you were one of the 12 men that Jesus chose in all of Israel. Jesus chose 12 men to walk with him, to be close to him, to be intimate with him. Jesus chose these 12 men. Imagine you were one of those. You would have thought, wow, I've been chosen he really didn't know much about this Jesus guy when he first burst onto the scene. Didn't know what he was really about, but it didn't take long for you to realize that you were in the presence of someone special. And as, as these men, and as you would have, if you would have been one of those men, walked with Jesus, you saw some pretty cool things. I mean, let's not just be churchy. It was pretty cool walking with Jesus, right? I mean, you watched him take a little bit of food and, and you're the one distributing the food as 5,000 people get fed with just a little bit of food. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, you were there when he healed the blind and the deaf and the lame. and I mean, pretty good gig to be hanging out with Jesus. And so, no doubt, you and I would have felt special as those 12 men felt special as they walked with Jesus. But then toward the end of his ministry, after, about, after following him for about three and a half years, he says something to them. And we're going to use this as our text this morning. So turn in your Bibles to the book of John, the 16th chapter, and here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples after they have walked around with him. And I mean, it's been a pretty cool journey so far. They like hanging out with this Jesus dude. But here's what it says in verse 5. It says, but now... I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, I will send him to you. So these people who have been enamored with Jesus and, and it's been so cool following him around, but he says to them, this is, this is the J-E-V, J-E-V version, the Jody's expanded version. He said to them, you think following me has been cool? Wait till you meet who I'm going to send. And he said to these men, he said, it's actually best that I go away. Now that must have blown their mind. It's best that I go away because if I go away, I'm going, to, I'm going to send someone to you in my stead. And of course we know that what he sent, who he sent, was the Holy Spirit. And I submit to you that I believe most of us here, many of us in the body of Christ, 
don't know who the Holy Spirit is and really wouldn't know what to do with him if we did know who he was. But Jesus put an immense amount of value on the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus valued the Holy Spirit, what do you think you and I ought to do? There ought to be value in our, in, in our economic system as to this, this spirit, this Holy Spirit that God would send. And so Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to send this Holy Spirit. Now, as last night before I went to bed, um, I was just kind of thumbing through the TV. I know you guys don't watch TV, but I do sometimes. And I was, um, I was thumbing through the channels, and I saw, this is going to register with some of you, I saw there in the little guide that, that a movie called Star Wars I just forgot the name. The Last Jedi. Is it the Return of the Jedi? I blew it. This was a great story. I had it all prepared. Star Wars Return of the Jedi. How many, is anybody was alive in the 80s who remember, right? Remember Return of the Jedi? Now, if you know me, you know that Jody is not into Star Wars. I barely can understand what's happening here on this planet, <laughs> much less up in the wherever, right? And so I'm not, a, I'm not a science fiction guy, but, but I, I just for whatever, I, I went ahead and, and turned it on for a second. And when I turned it on, it opened to the scene where they were, it was Luke Skywalker, and he was in, remember Yoda? He was in Yoda's little hut in the swamp, right? And so there's this little green thing, you know, it looks like a, well, never mind. It's like a booger with ears, you know what I mean? Just this Yoda, right? And then Luke Skywalker was there with them. And, uh, and I was watching the interaction because it was interesting. You know, Yoda was saying, hey, I'm getting old. I'm about to die. And, um, but Yoda was the master. Yoda was, was the trainer. And then Luke Skywalker, he was the pupil. And so it was, it was Yoda's job to train Luke Skywalker. And Yoda's saying to him, I'm about to leave here. Listen, we're going to get to Jesus in a minute. Don't get lost with George Lucas. And Yoda's going, hey, I'm going to leave, but, but I need to train you to be the Jedi that you've been destined to be. But the whole Jedi training was based on this. It was based on the understanding that there is the force. And, and to be a Jedi, what you had to do was learn how to cooperate and work in the force. That's what made you a Jedi. Now, what does that have to do with us today? Can I tell you something, church? There's a force for us believers. There's something available to us. Now, now, just because you have the title doesn't mean you understand how to walk in the force. And the training was Yoda had to get Luke to understand the force and cooperate with it. My job, I am Yoda today. <laughs> and teach you, I will do. Or what, I don't know how he talks, right? So here's what I want you to understand is that you've got a powerful, you've got a powerful resource in your life. I mean, Jesus left you with something. He called it the gift of the Holy Spirit. He left you a gift. What are you doing with the gift? And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just set expectations. I'm going to be teachy. I'm going to have to go into some details. And every time I plan this way, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose two-thirds of them. But here's what we know here at Victory. Our job, our assignment is to make disciples. And disciples are learners. 
And if you're going to learn, sometimes you've got to get down in the details. Remember, remember Top Gun? I mean, they didn't just throw you in the F-15 and send you off. No, there was some classroom time before we fired up the jet, right? And so, so we're just going to do a little teaching here this morning. So it's going to be a little detailed, but I want you to stay with me because at the end of this, we will all graduate as Jedis. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, first thing you need to understand, I'm going to do this very quickly, understand the Trinity. We've all heard Trinity. What is the Trinity? Here it is in a nutshell. You ready? How many gods do we serve? We serve one God. God said of himself, I'm the Lord. I'm one God. But God has chosen to reveal himself in three different persons. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. Now, Jody, why is that? I don't know. Jody, give me more information on that. I can't, right? There's some things we just have to grab by faith, right? And so we know it's true, though, because remember at Jesus' baptism, all three of them showed up. We have Jesus in the flesh getting baptized. We have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove would, and then we have the voice of God coming from heaven. So we have all three personalities of the one God represented in Jesus' baptism. So you need to understand there's a trinity, and, and so you and I are still functioning with the understanding that there's a trinity. God the Father is sitting on his throne at this very minute. Listen, he's not shaken, he's not worried, he's not nervous, he's not anxious. He's at perfect peace right there on his throne. High above the heavens is our God. Sitting at his right hand is his son Jesus. Well, guess what's happening down here on earth? It's the Holy Spirit. See, what God's doing here on this planet, he does through his Holy Spirit. So you and I, if we're going to engage in the kingdom of God, then we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus told his disciples. He said, listen, the Holy Spirit has been with you, but now he's going to be in you. And then we know that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says that you and I, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me say something that's going to blow your mind. You ready? If you are a born-again believer here today, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. You're a temple. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a good-looking temple here this morning. So the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He's the gift that Jesus left, and he did it for a specific reason. And this morning, I want to talk to you about some of the, the roles of the Holy Spirit and how it is a resource to us when we learn to cooperate with it and walk in it, what it'll accomplish in our lives. So here's what I need you to know. Remember, we're being teachy here this morning. First thing is that that the Holy Spirit is, the works of the Holy Spirit kind of, it happens in two specific areas. First of all, there's some works of the Holy Spirit that is for your personal maturity. It's for growing you up. He does some things personally in you. But then there's a second area in which the Holy Spirit works, and that's to empower you to be effective for the kingdom of God. So there's two areas in which the Holy Spirit works. So let's begin with that personal area. What are some things, what are some roles, what are some some things that the Holy Spirit accomplishes in our personal life for our personal development? Well, begin by starting with me in the the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, and I want to show you a passage of Scripture that's going to be very important 
It's verse 13, and it says, this is Paul writing, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. First job of the Holy Spirit in the, in the, in the, the life of a believer is this. He's, a, he's the down payment on the inheritance God has for you. In, in the King James Version, it says he's the earnest of our inheritance. So God has this inheritance for us, including heaven and everything that's to come, but the down payment of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit. So at the moment you and I are born again, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And what he does is he marks us it's, it's, it's something that lets us know I am born again because the Holy Spirit now resides on the inside of me and people should be able to look at my life and go, he is born again because he's indwelt by the Spirit of God. So at the moment of salvation, you and I receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the first thing that, hap- the reason that, that happens is to mark us, to let us know and let the world know that we belong to the kingdom of God. So that's the first work of the Holy Spirit. But it goes beyond that. When Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit, telling his disciples what's gonna come in John verse, uh, chapter 14, he calls him this. He calls him in the King James Version, he says, I'm gonna send the comforter. In the New Living Translation, it says the advocate. The actual Greek word is parakletos, and it means one who comes alongside. Can I, without being irreverent, I want to give you another word for the Holy Spirit. Ready? He's your assistant. How many of you would like a personal assistant in here today? Laurie says to me often that she needs a personal assistant. If there's anybody on our staff who needs a personal assistant, it's Laurie because she's always got 18 things going. She also tries to get me to hire a personal assistant. I say that would be the most bored person in the world. I mean, I drink my coffee black. I mean, there's just not much, not much to do, right? But the Holy Spirit is actually your personal assistant. He's there to comfort you. He's there to walk. How many of you were got born again? You're like, okay, now I'm saved. Now what? And we tend to look for a person, somebody, if there was somebody who would partner with me and help me understand that. And yes, that's biblical. Yes, we want to disciple people. But I just want you to know, if you were born again in the deepest, darkest jungles of the Amazon by yourself, you've still got an advocate. You've still got somebody who's going to walk with you even when you're alone because he's always there. He's the comforter. He was given to us. Next thing that scripture says, Jesus in describing The Holy Spirit, he calls him the spirit of truth. Another job of the Holy Spirit in in our personal walk. He's the spirit of truth. what What does that mean? How many of you have ever went to read your Bible and, and a few minutes in you're like, I don't understand what I'm reading. I mean, I hear that all the time. People like, yeah, I just don't understand how to read my Bible. And I get it because there's some challenges there in, in, our, in our limited mind. There's some challenges. And, you know, we, we have some things we suggest, you know, like get a version 
of the Bible that you can understand and, and do a little research before you read a book, find out who wrote it and what's the context. There's some clues I can give you to help you in your Bible reading. But listen, what you really need to understand is that you've got a tutor living on the inside of you. Here's, here's what it looks like, and it happens in my life. When I open my Bible, I don't just start reading. Before I open my Bible, I pray, and I say, Holy Spirit, thank you for being my tutor. And I'm about to look in your word, and I thank you that as I read and study your word, you're going to give me revelation. You're going to give me insight. You're going to explain things to me. You're going to bring this way farther than the limited IQ of Jody LaFleur could ever muster because you're my tutor. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but have you ever been there where you're reading the word, and then all of a sudden it's like a scripture that you've read 10 times. You read it, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. And, 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 and you begin to, to, to feel some things and hear some things and see some things. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And you stop and, and do something scriptural. You even begin to meditate on it. And then as you're meditating, all of a sudden you remember another scripture over here that ties to it. And then next thing you know, you're in different books of the Bible working with what is that? That's the revelation. That's the tutorship of the Holy Spirit. He's bringing revelation. So you have the spirit of truth on the inside of you. None of us ought to ever say, I can't understand my Bible. If you can't understand your Bible, it's because you don't understand the tutor on the inside of you. The Bible calls him the spirit of truth. Another thing that Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he said this in John chapter 16, said that he would guide us into all truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit is your guide. You know, my brother-in-law has uh, recently taken up fly fishing. Any fly fishermen in the house? Yeah, love fly fishing. You know why I like fly fishing? It's because of where you fly fish. You don't fly fish on the Shoe Peak Bayou. You fly fish on the Yellowstone, the Snake River, the Bighorn. You aren't as excited about this as I am. It's the places you fly fish, they're so awesome. They look nothing like southwest Louisiana. My brother-in-law started fly fishing. And, uh, you know, he's gotten all into it. And he's watching the videos and, you know, out in the backyard with his fly rod doing all the things. And he was telling me that the other day he was going to make a real quick trip up to Oklahoma to do some fly fishing. And he said, uh, you know, as he was planning, what he did was he hired a guide for a half-day fishing trip. So the guide was going to be with him in the afternoon, but he was going to take the morning and fish by himself and then with the guide later that afternoon. So he says he gets out there the first morning, you know, and he's got all the gear. You know, that's important. You got to look the part, right? And so he's got all the gear. He's, got, he's practiced in the backyard. He's done all the stuff, and he gets out there in the morning and just fishes his heart out and catches Nothing. All morning, by himself, out there fishing, out there fishing. Well, in the afternoon, the guide shows up. And he says to the guide, you know, there's no fish in this river. They're all gone. And the guide says, well, let me look at your setup. Well, here's, oh, well, I'm, here's what you're doing wrong. And begins to talk to him about where the weight is and how the flies are tied and what the hatch looks like and what all's going on. The guide knows more than he did. And so he goes back to those same fishing holes, the same holes 
that he fished this morning, but instead of catching nothing, he begins to catch fish. What made the difference? The guide. The guide made the difference. Church, you have the guide on the inside of you. That's another role of the Holy Spirit. Last one I'm going to mention in this category is that I talk to so many people who say, you know, I don't know how to hear from God. I've heard people say, you know, I heard this from God, or I heard this from God, and, and so many of us are confused as to how we hear from God. And most of us, come on, let's be honest, most of us are waiting for the audible voice of God. How many of you would love it if God would just shout down in, vibrate your eardrums with exactly what he wants you to do? I mean, come on, God, I'm willing to listen. You just, I got to be able to hear you. And we're all waiting for the audible voice of God. Can I tell you something? If you're born again, you're not going to hear the audible voice of God. Because the voice of God is not going to be from without to within. The voice of God is from within to without. Because the Holy Spirit is the voice of God in your life. And it's going to come from the inside of you. And people don't know how to hear from God because they're waiting to hear this way, but he's inside. And so we just got to learn to tune in, to dial in, to understand the voice of God is going to come from the inside of us. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. He's going to tutor us. He's our advocate. He's our assistant. Listen, the gift of the Holy Spirit and it's sitting on the inside of you, waiting for you to understand how to unlock its potential. Young Jedi's. So we said that the work of the Holy Spirit is, is first of all, to grow us up, right? And, and, and just look at your neighbor and say, you, you need some growing up. I mean, we just all need a little more maturity, amen? And so that work is never gonna stop, but here's something, my God, can we get a hold of this church, is that God did not put us here just to get more and more informed and more and more happy and healthy. God put us here for a purpose to function and work for his kingdom. God has a role for you to play in the kingdom of God. So not only does the Holy Spirit work on the inside of us, he does something that empowers us to be effective for his kingdom. And most of us never make that switch. 65 years old saying, as soon as I grow up, as soon as I grow up, I'm going to do something for your kingdom. Second work of the Holy Spirit is in the area of equipping us, equipping us for ministry. We see that in the book of John, the 20th chapter and the 22nd verse, after Jesus had resurrected from the dead, this is, he had already died, he'd been crucified, buried, resurrected. He shows back up to his disciples and he's talking with his disciples and the Bible says that at that moment he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. You guys ever read that? The word breathe there is pneuma, it's breath. It's the very same thing. Remember in the Garden of Eden when God created man made a clay statue of a man it was just a statue until what happened Whew, breathed into him listen the breath changed everything that's what happened in the garden and when Jesus resurrected from the dead he went to his disciples Whew, he breathed on them church you're missing it that was powerful that wasn't something new that happened that was redeeming something old 
because we had lost it in the garden. But Jesus came to redeem what had been lost. And so he breathes on them, says, receive you the Holy Spirit. At that moment, they were born again. Remember how I said, when we're born again, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That was him breathing on his disciples. And at that moment, they were born again and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. End of story, right? No. Because then he says to those very same people, listen, you got to track with me on this. Listen. He said to those very same people, now that you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, I need you to hang around in Jerusalem. Don't leave because I've got something else for you. He says, remember how John the Baptist used to baptize people in water? And the word baptize means to submerge, right? So they had this mental picture of people being dunked in the water by John the Baptist. He said, that's what John the Baptist did. But he said, something different's gonna happen to you. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now they had just received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now he says, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen, something being in you is different than you being in something. So the Holy Spirit was indwelling them at the point of salvation, but he said, don't leave, I've got something else for you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said. Here's what the Holy Spirit does, the baptism of the Holy Spirit does for us. He says, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have power to be my witnesses. This isn't about you. This is about you being effective for my kingdom. I'm gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit so you can be an effective witness. How many of you have tried sharing your faith? We've, we've tried it, and some of us try to do it in our own strength, and it falls flat, but what it tells us here is that if we understand the role of the Holy Spirit and we are baptized in him, we have power to be witnesses. And if we watch what happened the day that the Holy Spirit fell, we see that Peter got up freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit, preached a message, and 3,000 people got saved in one moment. One man, one imperfect man stood up under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit, preached the gospel, 3,000 people got saved. Imagine if this room full of hundreds of individuals walked out of here underneath the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit and began to share the gospel around them. If 3,000 people got saved by one man's, what could happen in the kingdom with hundreds of us going out under the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness? So the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness after, after we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Another thing that happens after the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that we, we receive help with our prayer life. Any of you have ever started praying and, and you're like, okay, pray for my wife and my grandmother and my kids and the dog and the neighbor. And then after that, it's kind of like I'm running out of things to pray for, Right? What, it tell, what the, the word tells us in Romans chapter 8 is that, that we're, we are weak in our prayer life. We are, we are incapable in our prayer life, but we've got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can make intercession through us, right? So he, he's our assistance in our prayer life. If you want to have a more powerful prayer life, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will empower you to have a more powerful prayer life. In the book of Galatians, we, 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 we hear about the fruit of the Spirit. Anybody ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? We talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and usually it goes something like this. 
Like, I would preach a a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and, you know, we begin with love, and so I take the first message, and I just fuss at you about being more loving. Come on, drum up some love. Where's the love? And I just get really sweaty, just trying to make you love people, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do. Love, come on, love better, love better, love better. We preach messages like this. But that's not how the book of Galatians shares it. It actually says this, that if we walk in the Spirit, okay, now that's capital S, so it's the Holy Spirit. So in other words, when I am baptized in the Holy Spirit and learn how to live my life in rhythm with the Spirit, guess what shows up in my life? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Hey, listen to this, ready? Self-control. What happened? It's the fruit of a life lived in cooperation, in harmony, in walk with the Holy Spirit. How many of you would love your spouse to have more of the, the fruit of the Spirit? The trick is not to strive and strain. The trick is to learn how to walk in harmony with the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is a benefit. And the world around us, listen... When, when, when you're at work and, and everything's going crazy and everybody's stressed out in the room and everybody's fearful but you because you walk in peace because that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And when everybody else is, is, is anxious and worried and mourning, there's joy on me. You see? Because it's the fruit of a life lived walking in harmony with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives gives the fruit of the Spirit. Another thing that the Holy Spirit empowers us and and gives to us in order to be effective for his kingdom is the gifts of the Spirit. Listen, the the Spirit brings gifts. He's a gift who brought gifts. And and he has brought gifts and he's handed them out to the body of Christ. There There is the gift of faith. Anybody? candidate for that the gift of miracles the gift of tongues and interpretation the wisdom the words of wisdom words of knowledge prophecy where does all this come from it comes from the holy spirit the holy spirit listen i don't i don't know if you're tracking with me right now i need to see you the holy spirit gave gifts to his body because he wants you to use your your gifts in the body to encourage and edify and build up and and strengthen one another and plus we bring those gifts into the world and we operate in these gifts and those gifts open doors and gives us opportunity for ministry but most of us aren't concerned with opportunities for ministry we're just concerned with opportunities to be ministered to May there be a switch in the body of Christ where we, not, where we don't say, you know, what can this kingdom do for me, but what can I do for this kingdom? And so I just want you to know, listen, a win for this morning. I mean, if I were to walk out of here feeling good about myself, it would be because those of us in this room, our value for the Holy Spirit has been raised. Now, I could not possibly teach you everything that you need to know about the Holy Spirit in this time frame. We'd have to have lunch, dinner, and breakfast brought in for us, right? But here's what a win would be, is that you and I would leave here today going, wow, there's some value to that thing called the Holy Spirit that's been put on the inside of me. 
And that maybe you and I, listen to this, here's a, here's a, here's a crazy thought, that we would actually begin to study. Where, where's the amens? That we, because, because we've now learned something, we'd begin to study. We'd begin to open the, the book. We'd begin to do some research. We'd begin to talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me about you. How do you work? How do you function? What does it look like? What would it look like for Jody LaFleur to live a life in the Spirit? And that you would then take the initiative, begin to grow, learn, understand the value, what all he brings to his life. Because I believe this, if the world is ever going to be changed, it's going to happen when believers understand the power of the gift that's been deposited on the inside of them. That's what's going to change the world. If we neglect and yawn and and aren't interested, we miss it, church. We miss it. So I want to encourage you this morning, if one thing is that you begin to value the Holy Spirit more, begin to dig, understand the benefit, the blessing of what God has invested on the inside of you. Would you stand with me, please? Here's how I would like to end this morning. I want to, I want to do two things quickly. How many of you in this room are a born-again believer? Can I see your hands if you are born again in this place? Okay. If you are born again, then the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And here's, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to put some pressure on you. Ready? If you're a believer, here's what I want you to do. We're going to bow our heads, and I want you to tell God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to ask Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to teach you, teach you what it means to walk with him. Ready? Every head bowed right now. Come on, tell God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge it. Say it. Say it out loud. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of me. It's a powerful gift. If you don't know much about him, acknowledge that. Say, Lord, I don't know much about this Holy Spirit, but from what I've heard, this thing's pretty powerful. Would you teach me? Would you teach me what it means to walk in cooperation with the Holy Spirit? Has everybody done it? Every believer, come on. Tell him thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the Holy Spirit. All right, with that being done, here's the next thing. Remember that after Jesus had breathed on the disciples and they had had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he told them, he said, listen, it's not, it's not enough for you to just be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because that's what's really going to change things for your effectiveness in ministry. So here's what I would really like is that every person in here, every believer in here this morning would leave with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll say, Jody, what does that look like? Well, what we know from the Word is that Jesus said that, you know, you guys, you fathers in the room, he said, you're, you're pretty good fathers. I mean, you're imperfect, pretty good fathers. And even you know how to give good gifts to your children who ask it of you. And then he said this, my father in heaven, the perfect father, he will certainly give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. So all we have to do, here's what I want to do. We're in just a second. We're going to bow our heads And I just want you to posture yourself before the Lord and whatever that looks like for you. And I want you to, Lord, say, Lord, would you, 
you wanted the, the, the disciples to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was 120 of them. It happened on the day of Pentecost. I'm asking for it right now. It's as simple as that. I know some of you, you've got a mindset. You're thinking something weird's about to happen. Hey, if something weird happens, okay. But let's not manufacture any weirdness in the room. Can we all agree? We're not going to manufacture any weirdness in the room. But I just want you to know it's safe to ask your Father for the Holy Spirit because He's going to give it to you. So every heart that's open right now, come on, bow your heads, whatever that looks like. And I want you to just say, Lord, would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Would you baptize me in your Holy Spirit? And would you, according to Acts 1.8, by that give me power to be a witness for you? Would you help me understand and operate in the gifts that you bring into my life? Lord, would you help me help the, the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life? Show me what it looks like to walk as a person who is baptized in the Holy Spirit in all that it brings. Tell him I'm open, I'm wide open. You just give it to me in Jesus' name. I want you to open your eyes and look at me. If you ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, congratulations, you are now baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? That's what happened. What we receive from God, we receive by faith. I hope you had goosebumps from head to toe. But if you didn't, guess what? You're still baptized in the Holy Spirit if you, by faith, ask for it. So I want, let, let's just, if you prayed that prayer, repeat, repeat after me right now. You ready? Say, right now, I am baptized in the Holy Spirit. With everything that comes with it, I've got it. So there's your declaration, right? So if you asked for it, he gave it. Amen. Beautiful.